I want everybody to go to our website and check it out. It's brand new and improved, lawmatters1030.org. And the sponsorship opportunities are there. Maybe you or your company would like to support law enforcement with us, and there are several options available. On the phone, we have the head coach of Scholastic Action Shooting. I believe he's with the U of A. Bill Perkins. Bill, are you there? I am. Good morning. How are you? We're good. We're actually out at the range today, and we're doing a little fundraising, so we're starting the day off right. Oh, cool. What range, and, and what are you fundraising for? Need more bullets? Yeah, well, always. So <laughs> we are at the Southeast Regional Park, which is our home range for the Wildcats shooting team at the University of Arizona. Oh, very cool. And when we talked a couple of weeks ago, you said something about registration. What what are we registering for? Well, I mean, every every active athlete on our team has got to register with our program, and that enables us to... Uh, get insurance on them, and that's one of the reasons why we have a successful program is because we've got trained coaches, and we run background checks, and we've got a $10 million insurance policy on all the athletes and coaches, and um, we're able to offer that at a ridiculously cheap rate just because the shooting sports are so safe compared to any stick-and-ball sports out there. Oh, that's true. That is so true. And I understand the, uh, I met some of your uh, students from the U of A at the yeah, uh, Friends yep, of the met. NRA event. Very yeah, well, I've got uh, a lot of engineers and optical science people and communications majors and math majors, and uh, a, lot, a lot of them come from the science fields. Do they have to be a student at the U of A to join your, to participate in what you're doing? They do need to be a student at the U of A or at Pima to join the Wildcat shooting team. I also coach a team that is composed of high school and middle school students, and that's a that's a separate team. Okay. Do people have to register for that one too? Yep. It's the same process. We send out uh, paperwork, and they basically just have to fill out an athlete consent waiver, and uh, we want to make sure that we've got information in case – you know, we've got students with either, you know, diabetes or anaphylaxis or things like that. We just need to know their medical conditions so that if something happens while they're on the range, we're prepared for that. And what's the website? How can people get in touch with you if they have questions? Well, the website for the Wild Gats team is very simple. It's wildgats.com, and that's Gats with a G. And if somebody wants to email me, they can email president at safeaz.org. Okay, that sounds great. Uh, why is it called GATS instead of CATS? Well, one of, the, uh, one of the things about the U of A club sports programs is that they are student-run. And so the very first president that we had six years ago sat around with his secretary and another officer, and they had to come up with a name. And GATS is kind of uh, old-time slang for uh, gatos. You know, gangsters and things like oh. that. and Well, yeah, ga- Gatos works as well. I've had uh, two or three people come up with different reasons why Gats works. and uh, But it's, it's a catchy phrase. And if we put Wildcats in there, people would inevitably find themselves at University of Kentucky basketball team or something like that. And when they type in Wildcats, we're the number one search engine. So it actually helps us with our identity to be separate from, from the school. Okay, very cool. Well, I appreciate you calling in this morning, and you have a good day. Don't shoot anyone.
No, we're going to have a good day. Okay. Thank you very much. (laughs) Sounds good. Look forward to seeing you again. (laughs) All right. Take care. Thank you. Okay. Also on the phone is Hal Kempfer. He's going to give us an update about Russia and Ukraine. This is almost like a soap opera. Uh, Hal is a retired USMC, and he's also the CEO of the Global Risk Intelligence Planning. And I saw on the news, I didn't see, I didn't hear what they were saying, but I saw all these people fleeing Russia, and I'm assuming they're going to Ukraine to join their military. What's going on? <laughs> well, Sherry, uh, if, if they were, uh, they are fleeing Russia. Uh, this week, uh, Putin uh, announced or declared a, a, a mobilization of 300,000. And, uh, and this is timed with the ongoing referendum in four oblasts or provinces, uh, which is a complete sham referendum to try and make those uh, you know, to basically declare them as Russian territory, uh, sovereign territory. He has announced this thing. It is an absolute, there's just no way to describe it other than say it's an absolute mess. Uh, they were administratively and in every other way unprepared. They have been literally grabbing people of military age. They said reservists, but they've been grabbing people with no military experience out of schools, off buses, uh, they have been going to uh, minority areas, uh, ethnic areas that are minority ethnic uh, areas of uh, Russia, and vastly disproportionately uh, pulling people out. One village of 5,500 had seven, or 5,500 had 700 to 900 of their residents grabbed and mobilized to give you that, and that was an ethnic minority uh, village. And so what's happening is you're seeing this this exodus of military-aged men trying to leave the country. Uh, one of the challenges, though, is that nations like Finland, the European Union, and elsewhere won't take them. Uh, Ukraine has offered, though, they said, if you do get mobilized and you come over here, this is how you surrender to our forces. So Ukraine has extended the welcome mat in that regard. Um, but uh, it, it's going to be a real mess. And I'm hearing what I'm – I should say here, what I'm reading is that um, they're going to get about 15 days of training, maybe, and then they're going to send them right off into a Ukraine. It, oh it, just, it epitomizes the term cannon fodder. It's, it's just horrible. But once they get to Ukraine, they can just surrender. Well, that's what Ukraine's suggesting strongly. Yeah. Yes, they are. They are saying uh, when you get over here, and and I and I, you know, it's you have forces over there already, Russian forces that have been defeated demoralized their leadership uh as as one retired general said is in the toilet i wouldn't have quite put it up that high but uh <laughs> uh I, I will tell you it's just it's an absolute mess and you're going to have these you know quote new guys coming in some of which may have only seen who three weeks before or two weeks before were civilians and and there will and with the russian psychology i have no doubt they'll try and push those guys up front, give them the more dangerous missions, uh, which is a common psychological thing that you see. And so you're going to see disproportionate casualties. And those casualties are going to fall uh, disproportionately on ethnic minority areas. So this mobilization over time may spur uh, some uh, civil unrest, potentially civil war, and various ethnic enclaves throughout Russia. So this may turn out to be uh, in some ways, for at least politically for Putin, 
this this mobilization may turn out to be almost as bad as the invasion itself. Is anybody on the world stage going to take this voting that he's doing, <laughs> forcing on people seriously? Is anybody going to no. recognize their results outside of Russia? Uh, not, not really. Maybe Belarus will. But but even with that said, uh, countries that have been kind of sitting on the fence or, or tacitly supporting Russia, like China, and then India has been very quiet. They have become more vocal about condemning the Ukrainian invasion. And a lot of countries that initially, when this thing kicked off, they were afraid to upset Russia because of business deals and other arrangements they had, have suddenly become more vocal. In fact, the United Nations this week it was just condemnation after condemnation and speech after speech of Russia. And this mobilization, along with uh, very overt nuclear saber rattling by Putin and his lackeys, has really galvanized world opinion against what Russia is doing. And I, I, don't see, I don't see a road for him to come back, if you will. There really isn't. And I think he realizes that, too, that, that you know, it, 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 it's done. You know, this is... It's probably just a matter of time. Their conventional forces are falling apart on the battlefield, so all he can do is really threaten unconventional forces, nuclear weapons. And uh, and everybody's watching that. There's a lot of reasons to think he won't do it. But then, of course, in the back of everyone's mind is, yeah, but... He has nothing else know, to lose. That's the fear, yes. Yeah. And if he's going to go out with a bang, he's going to probably take people with him. That's, that's the big fear. Uh, with that said, uh, a couple weeks ago, there's a report that, that looks pretty credible that there was an attempted assassination uh, of, of Putin, uh, vehicular ambush. Um, unfortunately, uh, he escaped it, uh, but, uh, but that does look more and more credible. That's what happened. And there's a lot of reports of dissension uh, within Moscow itself uh, that the uh, there's a lot of bickering within the Ministry of Defense and the FSB, the Domestic Security Service, which also deals with things like Ukraine, former Soviet nations. Uh, there is apparently what's reported to be dissension. Keep in mind that they, you know, they, everything they do is somewhat secret, but there's reports of dissension within that organization as well and, and anger. Interestingly, one of the things, one of the big reasons he did this mobilization was because of all the criticism he was getting from what's called the mill bloggers, you know, the uh, hard right nationalist military bloggers and hard right nationalist politicians and, and, and influencers, if you will, uh, that he needs to go another step. Well, the mobilization has been so haphazard, so poorly done, that that same group that he was trying to appease is now criticizing him heavily for how poorly he's done the mobilization. So he he's. You know, the very group that he was trying to appease is now furious at him in, by, with, the, with the means with which he tried to appease them. So I don't know how he, how he can possibly rectify that situation because there's no way for them to fix it. They just they don't have the means. They don't have the, the administrative capability. They don't even have the arms to properly arm these troops that are going in, let alone the fact they're really not going to train them. They're just going to throw them right into, the, right into combat and, you know, get just, a lot of them killed. Yeah, it just, it makes nothing he's done is making any sense whatsoever. Yeah, no, it's a, it, yeah it's, a, it's a mess. I mean, you know, the, the Ukrainians are, are rather upbeat about this 
ironically, when you talk to them, they're, they're like, how do you feel about this? Like, we're really not worried about it. You know, <laughs> really so, <yeah. laughs> just another, well, Putin, Putin had his day and now he's screwed up. So this will be his legacy yeah. too. It's interesting yeah. how yeah. some leaders decide to go down in flames, but yeah. Well, I appreciate you calling in and, and giving us an update. Hopefully next time they try something, it'll be successful. Well, I'm, I'm hoping to see another thing like the Kharkiv uh, counteroffensive. I'm hoping to see that. They're making games in Donetsk province. Um, and and any at some point, Kirshan, which is the largest city that Russia took initially in the invasion, at some point Kirshan is going to fall to the Ukrainians. It's just a matter of time. And I think that'll be something that we, we, we will note uh, quite loudly because that's a big turnaround. Um, and it might be a turnaround for them taking Kirshan Oblast, which means that they have geographically cut off Crimea. And at that point, um, there really stops to be reasons why Russia is in Ukraine to begin with. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you have a good weekend, and I appreciate you calling in and updating us on this craziness. I mean, well, it seems well, to change having... minute by minute. All right. Well, thanks for having me on, Sherry. <laughs> okay. And uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. So thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. In the studio, we have TPD officer. Are you an officer? Detective? What are you? I'm a detective. You should know this by now. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I can't keep up. Uh, I have I Jennifer Crawford here, and we're going to talk about threat, the Threat Mitigation Unit. It's relatively new, right? Yeah. It. Um, I mean, we, they've always kind of had a unit that have handled this stuff, but it's kind of been separated into different areas of, like, the different division the team detectives would take them. So finally, um, last year, they kind of formalized and made um, a threat mitigation unit with a designated detective, which happened to be me. Um, so I went in there last March, approximately of 2021. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so basically what our unit does is it actually has a really fancy title. It's the Emergency Management Homeland Security Section Threat Mitigation Unit. Wow. (laughs) I know. Put that on a business card. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that is not on my business card. So we obviously uh, liaison frequently with the FBI, of course, depending on the nature of, you know, what might be going on. What basically our role at Tucson Police Department in our unit is, is we address active threats and identify um, potential or developing threats um, with dignitaries, elected officials, uh, law enforcement officers. So obviously if people are making threats against our own TPD officers, um, high-profile individuals, educational facilities, of course, schools, which we're going to be talking about today, yeah. um, churches, and then critical infrastructure. So let's say um, like maybe the Verizon switching plant here or city water. We had a, a case with uh, one of the water plants here. Those are all considered critical infrastructure. So we'll also get those cases as well. Somebody's going to threaten the water department? <laughs> no, but like if you had a break-in or a burglar, you know, something like that. One of those okay. yeah, types of things. Um, or someone was doing something for like a government building or anything that would affect like travel, economy, something like that. Okay. So we kind of have a wide variety, and that's just actually a small portion of what, what you're doing. our full unit does. So Wow. That should keep you busy. Yeah. Do you get any rest? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> well, and, you know, obviously I do the human trafficking stuff, which is usually what I'm in here for. Yeah, I know. This is like a, a big switch. Because it is. Because we're it always is. talking human trafficking and sex trafficking and 
Yes. And so now we're going to talk about the <laughs> threat to the schools. Yes. Let's talk about what's going on with the schools because it's been in the news lately. There's been a, a few students apparently think it's cool to take guns to school. Right. Right. And so we will not actually take just specific cases where if a, um, a minor brings a gun to school unless there's a nexus to a school threat. So those will go to like our gun crimes unit. We'll come out and investigate those or maybe our team detectives. But still, obviously, we're going to work with them and find out, you know, you know, potentially what's going on um, as a common denominator. Of course, I'm always here. I feel like talking about social media with the sex trafficking same thing overlies here. Most of our cases have a social media nexus with these kids, um, unfortunately. So I feel like we're just going to be talking about that again. <laughs> Circling around. Yeah, people, I remember, I'm old, so I remember when, you know, hijack, you didn't say hijack in an airport. Right. Even if his name was Jack, you'd say hi. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't do things like that. But it seems like social media is... is let people think that they're not seen and make some really stupid comments that'll get them in trouble. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, as we know, we've had these discussions before social media, I think has just made everybody very complacent and normalized a lot of behaviors that obviously shouldn't be. And there definitely needs to be more education from, you know, the parents at home that, you know, you cannot say certain things anymore. Like you just said, you don't say bomb in an airport, you don't say fire, you know, in a crowded movie theater, things that used to be funny or that you might say, you know, kidding around with your friends, you just have to be careful of your environment now, especially if you're at school. Yeah. And there's, you know, free speech, I mean, oh, free speech. Yeah. There's accountability for what you're saying though, and right. especially if it's wrong or you're just doing it to stir the pot and or get out of an exam that you didn't study for. Yes. Which apparently is is one of the reasons people decide that they're going to put something on social media. Yeah, we'll see, um, in, at least in the little over a year that I've been there. So obviously, you know, a little bit more limited experience than some of my other investigative assignments so far. But the we definitely see a trend, obviously, with school threats that come in to be investigated. Um, beginning of school end of school, finals, as you just said, you know, a big testing period, um, anniversary dates of prior violent events or other actual school mass shootings will also trigger April tends to be a big month um, because there's been, you know, Columbine and there's been some other mass shootings and not even just shootings, but some other violent events that have happened in April um, seem to spike a little bit. And so those are also, you know, key things. But we kind of rarely see that time of year when we get an uptick in reports or tips that come in. I'm surprised people can remember these dates. There's so many of them. Yeah. You know, how do you keep track? I know I can't keep track. So your unit was developed because of this, because of the school shootings and all that is that what triggered it? Yes, that's my understanding is they kind of basically wanted a, a central clearinghouse because uh, before I came in, they were kind of being farmed out. The tips would come into maybe like the different divisions. Like if something happened on the east side, the east detectives might get it or downtown, they might get it. So they wanted a central clearinghouse so they could all be kept in one place. You could keep track of what's happening. Um, you know, and obviously work with, we have a couple of detectives that are, you know, work at the FBI office and obviously work some higher level threats, but still now we're all in one place working together. The information is, you know, centralized as best that we can do. Um, instead of having, you know, 
15 cases, you know, open across, you know, Tucson with different detectives. Now they're all in our unit. So if a student takes a gun to school or has, you know, made some stupid comments on social media and actually has a weapon, whether it's a real one or a pretend one, what happens to the student? So it depends. So that's going to be a little bit different than what um, would come to our unit because we would only go out if there's some type of a threat involved. And so, for instance, a lot of the cases that we get or calls are kids that have um, someone has reported usually anonymously or via email like to the school. They seem to always have like an email system where you can report things, which is great. And so a lot of administrators will say, hey, we got this email over the weekend that they saw you know, Johnny posted a video on TikTok and he may mention that he was uh, like, don't come to school on Monday. You know, I'm going to shoot it up or something on Instagram, you know, referencing don't come to school or there's going to be a shooting or something like that. And so we'll obviously start an investigation, find out what happens. Thank God, obviously, you know, nothing has ever happened yet and they've just been done in poor judgment or as a joke or just you know, not really thinking of (laughs) what the potential consequences could be. Yeah, the consequences. And I think parents need to be able to know what those consequences are because you can get expelled. I mean, I wouldn't want you in my school if you're going (laughs) to be behaving that way. Um, Is there court time? Do they get charges against them? Yeah, so what I'm finding, and of course, you know, we have to take all of them seriously because the first time that you don't, even if you're looking at it and you're like, okay, I know this is, you know, this is not going to be anything or it's just a joke, but you have to vet it out fully. So they take a lot of time and a lot of work and energy um, because you have to treat every single one of them the same. So that takes because, a lot of resources yeah. away from other things. Right. That could you know, really because use. you don't, the one time that you disregard something as well, that's not really anything could be the one time that something happens. Right. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of them are also handled administratively just by the school um, because there won't be a criminal nexus. So usually from a criminal aspect to answer like kind of what happens to them, if we do actually have a criminal charge, it's usually going to be threats, which is a misdemeanor. So meaning they either threaten specifically another student or a teacher or like the school in general can be a victim if they just said, you know, I'm going to shoot the school up. Um, Use of an electronic communication device to terrify, harass or threaten. So that's basically using a cell phone, posting something on social media. Yeah, so <laughs> that's not usually too hard to prove, um, which is also a misdemeanor. Um, and then uh, maybe disorderly conduct. There's a lot of low-level misdemeanor stuff. Um, when it rises to a felony and can become serious is when we call it disruption of an educational facility, which is a classic felony. So that's if a school takes any overt action, such as like, locking their doors, bringing in extra security, going into a full lockdown, you know, canceling school events. Uh, maybe a bunch of parents came and picked up their, you know, kids from school. So there needs to be some type of overt, you know, action that they took because they believe this threat could happen. Then that juvenile could be charged with a felony or an adult for that matter. We actually, I've, uh, I've had a case with an, an adult who didn't go to the school, made some threats against the school. So... <laughs> He has no, nothing to do with the school, but I'm going to threaten well, you. Well, there was a connect, there was a connection to oh, someone okay. at the school. Yeah, it wasn't totally random. So there was obviously okay. a yeah a, person, any, any, my name a personal connection. But I mean, yeah. So it might not be necessarily a student. You know, maybe it's, it could be a former student, obviously, or you know, a friend of a student at you know a rival school. So it doesn't always have to be someone that goes to that school. You you just make me think about you know we've got the stupid motorist law where they have to pay. <laughs> 
when you have somebody who thinks it's cute and funny to disrupt a school and you're sending all these resources there, can we have the stupid student law (laughs) where they have to pay for everybody? Uh, I wish. I wish. Maybe that would work. And so, yeah, so if we don't meet some of those criminal elements, because it just depends on what they put up like maybe on social media or what they said or did. Right. Um, also, sometimes the schools choose not to press criminal charges because maybe the student is very young. I've had cases as young as 10 years old. Oh, my God. Yeah, unfortunately. So, you know, they take into consideration also, you know, does the student, what's the age of the student? Does the student have any um, disabilities? Like maybe they're, you know, a little bit autistic or they have ADHD or some other mental health conditions going on. Um, you know, what was the nature of the threat? You know, did they actually you know, write something down and it was very specific, like with a specific date of what they were going to do, or was it just doodling? You know, we've had kids that have made inappropriate drawings, you know, drawing guns and stick figures, you know, so every case is kind of looked at differently. Um, but if the school chooses not to press criminal charges, they almost always will handle it administratively then, which means they do their own investigate, like threat assessment along with mine. And usually, yes, it will result in uh, a minimum of, of a suspension, Um, if not expulsion, depending on how serious it is. Do they have, um, because I really am a strong believer that parents should be held accountable for what their kids do because the main teacher in their life is their parents. Right. And if you're teaching your kid that this is cute and funny or this is okay or you're not teaching them anything, you should be held accountable for that. Are there like classes or any type of, you know, okay, your kid did this, strike one, you're going to class for six hours or whatever it is and be taught what you should be teaching your children. Right. Is there anything like that? Not that I'm specifically aware of. We've only, um, I've only referred a couple kids actually into juvenile court for these types of cases, so I'm not exactly sure what they do on their end other than I do know that they offer um, some kind of a diversion if they're between that young age of like 8 to 12 um, that they have some specific probation officers that deal with that young age, um, but I'm not exactly sure what they put them through. Um, one thing that we developed in our unit, because a lot of these cases were not rising to the level of a criminal charge, but we're like, well, we feel like we can't just walk away. So we'll investigate them the same, whether it's criminal or administrative with the school, because we just want to be consistent. Right. So we'll, you know... A typical call will be, you know, gather all the information, speak to the school, speak to the parent, speak to the student, if the parents will let you. So everybody's on the same page. And then we will, um, I made up a packet kind of going off of my sex trafficking, social media awareness stuff that I do, because most of these things involve social media posts, unfortunately. Um, I made up a packet that involves social media kind of safety and awareness. And then I added some information on bullying in there for the kids and the parents. And then as well as a resource list that I got from the Child Advocacy Center where they can seek maybe counseling or, you know, therapy if that's something that's appropriate for their family. Yeah, that's, it just seems like the parents need to be more involved with the kids today. I mean, how can your kids have uh, a fourth grader? And I, what is that? 10, 10, 9, 10 years old? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> be running around with a, a weapon, a loaded weapon that makes no sense. And I, I don't know what happened to the student in Cochise County, but he went to school with two weapons. I mean, one's not good enough. He had two. <laughs> a little kid. Yeah. It, I just, you know, there's got to be something that the parents have to do to be accountable for what their kids have done because either they're 
they're teaching them wrong or they're not teaching them at all. I just think it's crazy. Well, I mean, and yeah, and on a serious note, I mean, God forbid, you know, there was a mass shooting um, where it was, I forget what state it is right now off the top of my head, Um, but, you know, the parents were ultimately held accountable and charged because they ignored the warning signs and the red flags and allowed him access to some of that stuff. Granted, he was, you know, a little bit older. He was in high school, but still, I mean, you know, that's always something that we tell them that, hey, you know, if something happens. What are some of the red flags that parents would be aware of? So a lot of times when we're doing, um, or like when I'm doing an assessment or interview, I'm obviously speaking with the minor and one, you just want to get them talking, you know, like, tell me about what's going on at school. Do you have any problems at school? Do you have friends? Who do you like? Who do you don't like? You know, what subjects do you like or don't like? And then, you, you know, home life, you want to find out what their interests are. What are they listening to as far as music? What kind of movies are they watching? What do they like to watch on television? Do they like to draw? Um, do they like to write? Um, and then we'll talk to the parents about, you know, like their home life, like what's going on. Are both parents in the home? Was there a recent divorce? Usually you want to find out if there's some kind of trigger that like was responsible maybe for this outburst. Um, at least it got discovered. Now something could have obviously, this could have been going on for quite some time, this behavior and someone just, you know, found the note or found the drawing, but usually there's a reason Potentially, not always, that maybe this child is now acting out in that way. You know, something happened at home, a breakup, uh, a death in the family, um, an illness, um, you know, a pet died. I mean, it could be, you know, any of those varieties that, you know, affect the child along with obviously maybe other stuff going on at school, particularly, you know, bullying by peers. Um, That seems to be a big, one of the majority of things when I've been reading some of the studies um, put out by the Secret Service, you know, the peer relationship is one of the main reasons that um, is potentially a cause for someone to be, you know, acting out in this behavior. Bullying has taken on a different, different um, venue (laughs) from when I was in school. I mean, bullying has always been, period. I mean, the older kids are going to bully the little kids and blah, blah, blah. But it it seems to have taken on a new dimension of meanness, and I, I don't even know if I'm using the right vocabulary to you know. But it just seems like kids don't care. There's no empathy there for the person on the receiving end of what you're doing. And how do you combat that, and especially would, in law enforcement? Yeah, I would agree with that, and especially with the internet. You know, there's a lot more anonymity now. Like, you know, you can just hide behind your screen and do it that way instead of doing it physically at school, where I think a lot of us grew up in that environment where you know you were bullied and you fought on the playground. Yeah. You know, now you punch them in the nose. There you yeah, go. you know, now these <laughs> kids are getting you know nasty and insulting messages on their you know Instagram and Facebook and and TikTok, um, which you know. And those can be bombarding them all day long by people, you know, there's, and there's really no stopping it. And parents might not necessarily know about it because it's kind of hidden. You know, there's not like physical marks. Maybe it's just strictly that emotional. Mental. Yeah. Bullying, which, I mean, of course that's going to have an effect on somebody if it's happening on a daily basis. Oh, absolutely. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a few. This is Deputy Chuke with Pima County Search and Rescue, reminding you that infants and toddlers do not experience heat as adults do. Consider this when bringing your young ones on a hike in temperatures of over 80 degrees. You do not want to risk that child having heat stroke or being arrested for child endangerment. 
This is Amy, a volunteer with Pima County Search and Rescue. Before you head out, turn your location app on in your smartphone, then power that phone off until you need it. In an emergency, you will need a fully charged phone. Daylight is fading and the temperature is dropping. You are not only cold, hungry, and lost in a densely wooded area, you're injured. Time is of the essence. SARSI is a highly trained team of dedicated volunteers who work closely with Pima County Search and Rescue to help people in critical situations just like this. To join an exclusive team of heroes, go to sarsi.org. That's S-A-R-C-I dot org. We need your knowledge, experience, and of course, your generous spirit. This is Colleen, a volunteer with Pima County Search and Rescue. If you are hiking with children and pets, you need to carry the extra supplies they can't. Remember, one quart of water per person per hour. And when it's half gone, turn around and start down. This is John, a volunteer with Pima County Search and Rescue. Planning a day hike? Start hydrating a few days ahead. Bring plenty of water, sunscreen, a first aid kit, and proper clothing. It's the smart thing to do. Law Matters wants to remind you to nominate your favorite veteran before September 30th for a fabulous day of recognition. Details on our website, lawmatters1030.org. Hi, this is Sherry. On our next show, Tracy Miller from Pima County Attorney's Office will join me in the studio, after which we will be at Steampump Ranch in Oro Valley next to the Farmer's Market to launch Sex Trafficking Awareness Month. Come on over and check it out. We look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for staying with us. Our guest in the studio today is Jennifer Crawford. She's a detective with TPD, and we're talking about threat mitigation. And we're talking about the signs that parents should be watching for. What else is there? You know, your child's acting different now, but, you know, what other signs are there? Right. I think some of the things um, that we see that they need to, and I also counsel them to be aware of if something hasn't already come up, is um, obviously you want to take a look, are they starting to make threats toward other people, act out, obviously behavioral, you know, maybe badly. Obviously, are their grades starting to decline at school? Um, maybe drug use is coming in. Maybe they're finding they're using marijuana or um, experimenting with alcohol, possibly. Uh, interest in weapons is a big one. You know, suddenly, um, are they watching maybe a lot of shows, a lot more violent shows or movies or playing a lot of video games, which I think feel like that's an oxymoron exactly i mean but still you know is it just make a fixation are they looking up stuff on the internet all the time or maybe when you're out they're gravitating toward you know stuff with weapons or things like that you just they suddenly have more of a fixation than they did before um that's going to be probably a huge one um changes in their behavior or appearance um obviously interest in violence uh watching violence stuff just in general um it's kind of weird. I discovered actually just through doing these cases um, and talking to some of these kids when I would ask them, you know, hey, what are you interested in and what are you watching? I've had a couple of them tell me about this show called Death Note on Netflix. Yeah. I had never heard of it. So the first time that Minor told me about it, I think he was in junior high. I was like, well, what's Death Note? He's like, oh, he, he was very energetic about it. He pulls up on his phone. He's like, yeah, let me show you. It's a show on Netflix. Well, basically, the show's description, it's a um, it's kind of an anime series on Netflix, and it's about a supernatural notebook that gives you powers, and so if you write someone's name in it, um, that person can be killed, basically. So, yeah, not I watched a some very short trailer for it, and in my opinion, highly inappropriate for... Anybody. <laughs> it's particularly like school age, like that, like junior high, which is the kid. And after that case, I actually had a couple other ones 
that were also watching it. So I'm obviously assuming that I don't have children, but uh, that that is a, a new trend um, that's been going around. So um, can that be blocked? Can a parent who's listening to us block that? I don't think so because it's just on Netflix. So you just so would have to can. monitor what your child's watching, you know, of course. So, wow. I mean, it seems obscure, but, you know, I had never heard of it. And then after I did that interview, I had a couple other kids later on that also knew about it. It's um, trending. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the and then recently, thing. just along the lines of like the violent stuff, I've had two kids back to back now said that they watch uh, Gore Tube. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> so I looked it up um, and that one was actually firewalled um, on our work computers. So I looked it up on another laptop and it's basically YouTube, but with gory graphic videos. I mean, extremely graphic videos. Why like, would anybody want to watch There's that? cartel killing videos on there, people oh committing suicide. I actually didn't spend much time because it was very, very, oh, very great. horrible. Um, and we had that because a kid had pulled off a video from it of someone committing suicide and put it on their Instagram thinking it was funny apparently and that's what got reported and got us involved. Oh my God. I mean, so, and that's access, that was, that's just a free, I mean, you can just get on, you don't have to make an account. I just Googled GoreTube and it came up and there was like the video and I found the video that he had used. So, I think if I had a kid know. today, I'd be, you know, a little girl and you're joining a convent. Right. And I mean, <laughs> these are things, you know, I didn't know that were out there either. And, you know, we learn a lot, obviously, by talking to these kids and, and doing these types of investigations. But and of course, you know, as I tell the parent when I was having a conversation with them, well, no, there's nothing obviously illegal about it. It's not wrong. But the problem is if the child is looking at that every single day, that is certainly going to have an impact on your mental health. I mean, these types of videos and that being exposed to that stuff. Yeah, you um, get exposed to the things daily, yeah, constantly. You know, um, so obviously, yeah, interest in that type of stuff. Um, uh, suicide, if they're starting to notice like maybe self-harming, are they cutting or starting to hurt themselves or talking about suicide, maybe even in a joking manner, things like that. Um, harassing, you know, other kids. Maybe they're the ones that are doing a little bit of bullying or they're acting out against people or other kids that are bullying them. Um, so I always just have a talk with the parents about when we leave, like when I give them that information pack and I'm like, look, you need to obviously monitor the behavior. It's kind of like the balls in their court now, unfortunately. If there's not a criminal charge, you know, I'm obviously not a counselor or a psychologist, so I'm very limited on what I can do. But I try to tell them, hey, worst case scenario, God forbid something happens a month or a year from now, you know, it's going to come back on you about what did you do? Did you ignore some signs that potentially, you know, were there? So you need yeah. to monitor their behavior, keep an eye out for those things that we just talked about. And then I tell them, you need to search their room occasionally, look for things that are hidden. A lot of times these kids are writing down stuff in their notebooks or drawing stuff that could absolutely be, you know, potential for an intervention. Um, so I tell them, you know, look for notebooks, go through their school notebooks, uh, look for inappropriate drawings, you know, stick figures with guns, just drawing guns. Um, I've had kids drawing stuff of like people being killed or references to like even like Nazi stuff that can be potentially be a thing, a, you know, a very isolated interest on like Hitler and the Nazis. Um, anything that just looks inappropriate, monitor what they're listening to, what they're watching, things that they're involved in. Obviously their parents is suddenly, if it's gone from like, I don't know that there is a normal thing, for, a normal appearance for teenagers, but you know maybe they're into a little bit more of that dark theme, the gothic theme, and not that that is necessarily. We don't want to say that those kids are, 
you know, the ones that get targeted. But, you know, obviously it would be a drastic if your kid is suddenly going from one extreme to the other. To the other exactly. You know, very withdrawn now becoming, um, and just talk to them, you know, find out, you know, what's going on at school? Do you have friends? You know, how how is your day? You know, how are your teachers? Because a lot of these grievances um, are against, like we said, peers or potentially teachers at school that they don't like. And so it just comes down to, again, you know, being involved in your child's life, having those conversations, checking their social media means you need to be familiar with social media um, and educate yourself. Um, and Are then, there classes a parent can take on social media? Because I know it's not the easiest thing to with all the different yeah, ones. It's not easy. No, it's not. And I struggle to keep up. Um, you know, I work on a daily basis, you know, because I don't use a lot of those in my life, if, you know, um, but... I don't know if there's particular classes. We hold classes about four times a year. In fact, I think we're going to be hosting another one. I was hoping to September, but I feel like September is almost over. So probably October, we'll be doing our social media dangers and awareness class for parents. Um, that'll be online. So it's really easy for people to, you know, they don't have to come to the station and take time out of their life. Um, the other option is just to Google, you know, how to, how does Facebook work? How does TikTok work? And it will give you the, you know, the basics of it. This class that you're going to do online, how do, how do people find out about it? Where do they go? So we'll put it out. We usually put it out on the Tucson Police Department uh, Facebook page or like the website. I blast it out to like kind of like the, a lot of the, the governmental agencies that I worked for before from my trafficking nexus. Um, it's going to be hosted with um, the McCain Institute is going to help kind of host the link for us. And it'll be about an hour. And so we can push it out and I'll let you know when we do that. Yeah, because I'll... I'll advertise it too i think parents it's so hard to keep up with what's going on and any little tool that you can get from people especially law enforcement to help you keep your child safe we want to we want to be able to promote that and you know i think the important part in this nexus here versus like the sex trafficking stuff because of course i started that class related to like online predators and sex trafficking but i'm actually going to revamp it a little bit to include some of this stuff is parents really, really need to educate their kids that, you know, this is not a joke. This is not funny. In this day and age, you cannot make jokes about, you know, a school shooter or dress up in your paintball gear and take pictures on Instagram and make little references to, you know, I'm going to shoot somebody or I'm going to shoot it up because it's going to get you into trouble. There yeah. is zero tolerance as there should be. And these things are taken very seriously because you just don't know what might be a joke and what might, what might not be. Um, so that it just comes back to the parents, you know, and I, when I tell the kids, I'm like, look, you need to be very careful when you're at school. If you're having a conversation and you're talking about a video game and you're talking about shooting, you know, back and forth with your friends and it's fine, it's about a video game, but someone walks by yeah, and they only hear a couple key words and they hear shooter and maybe school or maybe not even school, but, and they report it. I'm like, you know, you just don't know. You don't know who's listening to your conversation or who might, if you're drawing, you know, doodles or artwork and you need to be careful. You know, I tell them there's nothing wrong, obviously with drawing pictures of guns or, you know, some of the stuff that we see. But again, it comes back to context. Like one, why are we drawing that? Um, And then two, you know, someone might interpret it wrongly and think that something is going on. And don't so, get yourself in trouble. When- yeah, I try to just have that kind of conversation with them about, hey, I understand once they explain to me what was going on, if there's nothing else obviously going on that we think there's a real situation, you know, pay attention. Just can't draw, can't be drawing that type of stuff at school. You can't be talking <laughs> about this type of stuff at school. You can't be putting this type of stuff on online because it's going to land you 
having a conversation with the police yeah. and potentially being expelled over something that was a joke. Yeah, it's not funny anymore. No. My dad always said, use your head, your future depends on it. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. I mean, and there's trends, you know, like TikTok at one point had um, some stuff going on where people were emulating like school shooter type stuff. I had a situation where a kid made some skits where he was like the hero. So he was shooting the school shooter situation but you know still just it was just not appropriate you know someone saw it reported it to the school so um not funny no and there's like hashtags for it and they'll spell it wrong so that it won't get caught up and i think they have um computers maybe sometimes it flags some of that stuff i don't know about all of the sites but um I, i think some of them try to be a little bit more proactive but they'll just misspell it and they'll put you know s k o o l or you know, so it's still going on out there. So unfortunately, when kids see stuff that's trending, you know, they want to be in on it too and be the cool kid. And do the schools have people that monitor social media? I think some of them do because we have had um, reports from like their school security people sometimes that have like, hey, we saw this or we heard about it. But I don't think that they have any dedicated people that monitor it. Um, I kind think of a it's, random thing. Yeah. So um, if if you're lucky and you overhear something, you can do something about it before something ugly happens. Yeah, they should institute, um, it's interesting actually, in like going to some of these trainings and reading up on certain things, Colorado actually instituted um, this program called Safe to Tell and what it is, it's a statewide anonymous reporting tool that it's kind of like 88 Crime, I guess. It accepts tips 24-7, but it's meant to be more geared toward like school-related type stuff. And there's an application. People can do it on their phones. Um, they can call in. Um, of course, that t- obviously takes a lot of resources because they got to, you know, scrub through all these tips um, and things like that. I think something like that on some level would be very beneficial. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how we would institute that. But yeah, I with a think lot of schools. Exactly, because, you know, TUSD is great and some of the larger high schools about, you know, their security and maybe we have officers involved and we have really good communications with them and relationships. You know, they have my numbers, I have theirs, we share information. But you have a lot of these charter schools, you know, and these peripheral schools that are really, I don't think, on quite the same level as that. And so I feel like they might be getting left out a little bit as far as the communication streamline. So it'd be nice to have everybody... Some Everybody. access to something um, besides just like a general ADA crime or yeah, because ADA crimes for everything. If you're talking about a school, right. it would it would make sense to have um, like a title company, a place where all the information goes and parents can access it too, or teachers can access it. Yeah, I think a lot of them just use emails. From what I've been seeing, um, they will email the a teacher or the principal. Um, and then, of course, they'll act on it immediately. But I think it would be a good idea sometime in the future <laughs> yeah. if somebody could come up with something that would help just streamline, you know, a school-related specific tip line where students could report stuff, obviously anonymously, because we all know that kids yeah, you know, don't want to be the snitch. Yeah, um, it has to be anonymous. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it comes down to, I think, that when parents tell their kids, they need to encourage them, speaking of that, to come forward and report stuff. Because a lot of this stuff, they're kind of like the frontline responders, let's just call them, you know, the kids. They're the ones that are in classes with these other kids. They're the ones that are seeing this stuff. They're overhearing this this stuff. And if they don't report it, 
you know, we don't know. I had a case recently um, involving a high school student. Um, didn't rise to the level of anything criminal, but some information came forward to me that happened just recently. And then follow up, the principal lets me know, oh, and by the way, I talked to some other kids and I found this information. Well, the information was from last year. <laughs> so obviously nothing happened, but it would have been nice to know that information last, last year. year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because now we have kind of a secondary now, I don't want to say incident, but some additional information, you know, so I feel like there needs to be a better system for kids to feel comfortable reporting anonymously at a minimum, um, especially with this. Just let them know, you know, you you must report this type of stuff because a lot of times, you know, they've gone back and people, again, have heard or seen something that and disregarded it absolutely that could have maybe you know maybe maybe not but it could have helped intervene in some of these other serious situations obviously where a shooting you know did arise or somebody did bring a weapon to school i think parents really 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 need to go through their kids rooms periodically oh absolutely spring cleaning maybe once a month or two (laughs) phones and rooms and that's what i tell them when you know kind of wrapping up these things is this is what you need to be doing if you're not doing it already and this is what you need to look for yeah, because, you know, I, I told you about a case where the sheriff went in because it was reported and they took out over a dozen weapons. Two of them were assault rifles and other kind of things that children shouldn't have. Yeah. And this was a sophomore in high school who was buying it. Right. And I'm like, where are you getting the money to begin with? Because you're unemployed. <laughs> and how can your parents not know you've got all these weapons in your room? And access to weapons is huge. I mean, obviously, that's our main concern when we get any of these types of things is, you know, what what's the access to weapons? So parents should be locking up their weapons anyway. I feel if you have anybody, you know, of a minor age in your home, but if they're not, you know, you definitely need to be, you know, aware and involved and make sure that, you know, that they just can't get them. Yeah. And they understand the consequences yeah. if they use them. I mean, I mean you it just comes your life. down to being, be involved, be educated, be aware, don't be naive and think not my kid, um, oh, because yeah. it might be your kid. And all these cases have a been lot. a variety. I've had male, I've had female, I had one as young as 10, um, all the way up to, you know, 17. Um, some obviously have had some mental health issues or maybe like autism. Some have been, you know, no issues, you know, whatsoever. Majority of them all social media related, posting inappropriate stuff on social media. Um, some were writing notes in school, like little kill lists, for lack of a better word, you know, of down students' names or some teachers' names, um, inappropriate drawings. All of this stuff is things that parents could potentially have found. They've been in like school notebooks or they're drawing or, you know, they're watching this stuff at home that they're telling me about. All of those things parents can somewhat control or. And have the conversation before something happens, not after. Absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, even if it's not your child, have that conversation anyway, because they might see somebody else in school who maybe needs a little bit of help or needs some direction so that they're not screwing up their life. Because once you have that arrest record, and especially a felony, you know, your life is pretty limited Teach your kids it's okay to say something. I mean, it kind of goes back, see something, say something. We say in human trafficking, same thing here. See something, say something. Prevention is the key. If we don't have the information to act on it, you know, we can't do anything. Encourage your kids that it's okay to tell somebody. Maybe they don't have to do it in public, but tell a teacher, tell a counselor, tell your parent, 
Tell somebody. Tell your parent and let your parent tell the teacher. Absolutely. You know, that way we get you cases didn't tell all the time where I'm like the kid didn't want to be named, but that's fine. We just want the information. You know, let them know that it's okay. That stuff needs to be reported. And if it ended up being a joke, it's a joke, you know, but better to you be don't safe know. than sorry. Yeah, you don't exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah, I always told my my child use me as an excuse. Some <laughs> people want to, you know, go do something stupid. Oh, my mom won't let me or my mom made me do this or, you know, whatever the, it was, okay. use me as you're out. But I want to know about it yeah. too. <laughs> we've been fortunate the last several cases um that we've gotten have been students have reported they heard something. So either they told their parent and their parent emailed the school or the the child told somebody at school. So that's good. I mean, I'm glad that we're seeing that. We just need to make sure that it's keeps happening it keeps happening yeah because some of these school shootings it's just and there's so many of them you can't even like they'll say school shooting oh which one it's ugly and they don't even report a lot of them if if there's not more than like four kids involved right. they won't report it it's yeah. like oh it's becoming the new normal unfortunately new normal, and that's not cool now so we only have a minute and a half left what are your parting words be involved with your kids, educate yourself, educate your kids. Um, yeah, just be, you know, be a good parent, set a good example and encourage your kids that, you know, it's okay. You know, if you see something, say something. It's kind of that simple. And if you know um, your kids know a parent that isn't being the good parent, maybe help them understand what's going on too so they don't get in trouble. We just want kids, you know, to be safe, be safe at school. And, um, you know, we're not psychic. You know, we can't predict when it's going to happen or who's going to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, we, we need all the eyes out there that we can. And it starts, you know, with uh, kids and then their parents. So, yeah, absolutely. Do the, um, you mentioned charter schools. Do they have resource officers? I don't think so. I don't know. Some might have like maybe private security, but I'm okay. I'm not sure. The few that I've been at, I haven't seen Anybody. that there. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't. I'm private schools. I haven't seen. Yeah. Anybody <laughs> actually. So, okay. I want to remind everybody, check out our new website. It's new and improved and it looks pretty good. And there are sponsorship opportunities on there. Maybe you or your company would like to support law enforcement with us. And if so, there are several options available. And until next week when we're going to be at the, what's it called? Steam Pump Ranch Farmer's Market. And we're going to be there from like 8 o'clock until noon. Sex Trafficking Awareness Month. I'll have a lot of my social media stuff out there. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. So So all you parents come out. (laughs) Shop local, stay safe.